sometimes Christmas feels like a part-time job instead of a holiday. When did all the noise drown out the season? When did this become just one more thing we have to get through? I just wish I could press pause and actually experience Christmas. I want to be able to take my time and enjoy the season for once. I want to remember how it made me feel when I was little. I want Christmas to feel important, to remember what really matters. I feel like I've forgotten what all this means, and I want to pause to prepare my heart to reflect. I want to pause and remember that Christmas changed everything. Well, hello. My name is Josh Walters. I'm the campus pastor here at the Mount Pleasant campus, one of the teaching pastors here at Seacoast. And we are so glad that you're here to worship with us this weekend. I want to welcome you if you're joining us. I'm one of the venues or online or at an off-site campus, wherever you happen to be. We are excited that you are along as well. For the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Pause, where we're looking at a number of different things that we can do this holiday season to ensure that we experience all God has for us, each of which require us to pause. Last weekend in his message, Pastor Josh said that feels like in his life, once he hit December, that somebody pressed fast forward on his life. How many of you can identify with that? Amen. Well, today we're going to look at one of the most timely, uh, one of the most important, one of the most exciting opportunities that each of us are going to have the opportunity to experience at some point in the next few days, and that is the pause to celebrate, the pause to celebrate. So uh, we'll get started in just a second, but before we do that, let me pray for us. God, we do thank you so much uh, for this season. God, we praise you for this time of year and just acknowledge, God, that there is a sense of anticipation, a sense of, of excitement from within us, uh, all because of the incredible gift that you've given us in your son. So God, I pray that today that hearts would be open, that minds would be open, God, that in no way would the enemy have a foothold in our lives to snatch uh, the joy that you came to bring about in this season. God, I pray for me that you would speak through me, God, that I would be a vessel and just acknowledge that apart from your spirit's work, and, and moving in and through me, God, that my words are, are just that, just, uh, just words. So we invite you in the house today. Pray that you would do a mighty work among each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the night did not end close to how I had hoped it would uh, in many different ways. Katie and I were in Mexico where I had officiated a wedding. Who gets to officiate a wedding in Mexico? You know? um, it was incredible. The weather was nice. The water was warm. The environment was, was beautiful. Uh, we didn't have any of our kids around, you know, which was just incredible. We had been paddle boarding. Um, had never done that before. Separate story. It was terrible, uh, but fun. And... Uh, it was an incredible couple of days. It really was. The day of the wedding finally came, and uh, the bride and groom ceremony was, was just beautiful. It was in this little covered patio, kind of right on the side of the beach, waves crashing, the, the breeze coming in. It was picturesque, you know, just incredibly beautiful. And so after the ceremony, everyone shared a meal upon which the bride and groom got up to dance. And Katie or I hadn't really verbalized it yet at this moment, but, but this was the moment uh, that we had been waiting for. You may not see us as the kind of couple that could bust a move, but I'm going to tell you, <laughs> if we get the right music going, the right environment, there's not many people that we know around, <laughs> we feel a little free and it gets fun. And, uh, and this was that moment. So I thought about showing you some pictures 
uh, to try to help you best kind of catch a vision for what the environment was like, but I decided that we would play a song and said, not the whole song, just a few seconds, and what I want to invite you to do is to just close your eyes and let the lyrics kind of wash over you, let it get in you a little bit. Ladies, don't be alarmed. Ushers are going to come forward and rummage through your purses just a little bit while you... <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, they're not. I don't know why I said that. Uh, but... I do want you to close your eyes, okay? Just let the lyrics wash over you. Here we go. Keep your eyes closed. Okay, don't look at me. You're going, some of you, a testimony's bubbling up. Don't share that. All right. Some heads are nodding. Some hands are in the air. We're pushing it. We gonna celebrate your party with you. Come on now. Oh, goodness. So that was the environment. You're with me. Okay, some of you have a story story to share about that song. Don't do it here. Maybe over lunch. Not right now. All right. So the dance floor was open. They had built a a bridge over the pool. Okay. Every grandmother, uh, grandson, granddaughter, friend, family member, people with and without moves had rushed to the bridge. And we're on the dance floor. We were so excited. It was so much fun. People were taking bets on how long do you think it's going to be before somebody just gets beside themselves and jumps in the pool, you know, or maybe gets pushed in the pool or does their moves a little bit too close and falls in the pool. Uh, It was so much fun. Well, after we had danced a little while, um, several songs, I don't know what happened, but it was almost like a switch was flipped inside of me. I had gone from fully engaged and excited, having a great time, to ready to go back to the room. I don't know if it's because I was tired or if I was hot, if I was still hungry, if it had been a long day. I don't know what the deal was. So I went and got some water and I went back over to Katie and said, hey, babe, I'm kind of feeling like I'm ready to go back to the room. And she was like, what? Why? She was like, one or two more songs with the girls. And so I kind of went and took a seat. And four or five songs later, I went back to Katie and said, hey, babe, remember I was kind of ready to go back to the room. She said, oh, I forgot one or two more songs. And so I went and sat down. And a couple songs later, I went back up to her in a slightly less than godly manner and uh, let her know that we were going back to the room now. Um, (laughs) Upon which... (laughs) Upon which she left the dance floor and any semblance of celebration ended, you know, at least between the two of us. And the evening only went downhill from there. So here we are in Mexico with the opportunity to create a memory, to experience a moment that we would never forget. And because of a bad attitude that I had, a a lack of desire to, to really celebrate, I created a memory, all right. It's just one that I hope... I hope we don't, we don't talk about all too often now that I've shared it with 10,000 of my closest, <laughs> closest friends. Have you ever missed out on the opportunity to celebrate or missed out on the benefits of celebration? Maybe it's because you had a bad attitude like me or maybe you just didn't care much for all of the noise and excitement. See, oftentimes I feel like it's easy for us to miss out or to opt out of celebrations, whether they be a Christmas party, New Year's, maybe an anniversary, a birthday, some type of celebration uh, due to an accomplishment uh, that we've experienced of some kind. And whatever, whatever the case, whether it's because of the busyness of our calendar, the lack of margin in our finances, or simply the desires of our flesh, it's easy for us to say, eh, I think I'm going to miss out on this one. For some of us this Christmas, it could be a spirit of Scrooge, you know, kind of the, the bah humbug inside of us that's wanting to take our eyes off of celebration. Maybe this is a painful season for you. You've gone through some type of loss and 
and you just as soon skip all of the celebration entirely. For some of us, it's a critical spirit upon which the the Duck Dynasty situation lands right in the middle of it. And man, for all of us, it's just pulling our eyes off of the one thing worth celebrating this season. For some of us, it's weariness. Maybe you're too tired to celebrate. Whatever the case, when you think about celebration, it's easy for you to kind of push a button and disengage, to head back to the room. I think one of the primary reasons, one of the primary temptations that we allow this to happen is that we don't have the full story behind celebration. See, in journalism, one of the tools that they use to kind of capture all of the details on any subject or topic is the use of the five W's. Have you heard of those? Who, what, when, where, and why. See, oftentimes it's easy for us to recite the details of a celebration, you know, the things that would be on the invitation, the who, what, where, and when. Little Johnny's having a birthday at Monkey Joe's, you know, at Saturday at 12 o'clock. You know, we can recite the details, but the why of the celebration can be a little bit more challenging for us. And see, oftentimes without the why of the celebration, it's really easy for us to lack the conviction or the motivation to really show up and be engaged, to be excited about the party. See, the reality is that celebration isn't just something that God allows into our lives. They are a rhythm that he requires of our lives. How'd that land on you? Celebration isn't just an opportunity that God allows into our lives. They are a rhythm that he requires of our lives. Yesterday, my son Abel went to a birthday party at Blackbeard's Cove, and I feel like that statement would be like me sitting him down an hour or two before the party and say, Abel, in about an hour, we're going to a birthday party. You're going to play on the bouncy house. You may well play laser tag. We're going to eat candy. No, no, no. You will have fun. Listen to me, you know. Just like, you might ride the go-karts. Stop, you know. It's just crazy. I don't need to tell him that. He's going to have fun. He's going to create some memories. He's going to have a blast. But somewhere between him and five and me pushing 35, there's something lost in the spirit of celebration. There's something that, that I lose in, in terms of really being willing and able to engage in the party. I could be weary because of responsibilities. It could be because of the worries of your home or demands for your job. But it's easy for us to go through life having fun, but not really engaging a spirit of celebration. See, thousands of years ago, God knew that this would be a struggle for his people, which is why in ancient Israel, he commanded the people to gather three times a year to celebrate a festival towards him. They were holidays and parties in the highest sense. They were so important that the people of God had to give regularly towards them. He didn't ask them to to give, you know, extra money towards their savings so that they could retire early. He didn't ask them to pay money down towards their kids' college fund. He didn't ask them to to pay down on the principal of their mortgage so that they could be free from that debt debt quicker. Uh, But he asked them to give regularly so that they might be prepared for celebration. Exodus twenty three fifteen there on your outline sheet says this, no one was to appear before him empty-handed. It goes on to say in verse 19 that they were to bring the best of the first fruits of the soil to the house of the Lord. See, preparation for and participation in these festivals were not optional in the eyes of God. He knew that they needed them because they brought about joy in their lives. They united them as a people and they pointed them back to God. So today I want us to look at the three whys of celebration, three whys of celebration, so that we would know uh, why, they're, why they're an important need of, uh, to be a regular rhythm in our lives, but more importantly, why God thinks they're such a great idea. 
And then I'm going to give us three very practical ideas on how we can close the door on the spirit of Scrooge this Christmas. So the first why of celebration, there on your outline sheets, is because they bring about joy in our lives. They bring about joy in our lives. In the celebration of discipline by Richard Foster, he says, celebration is at the heart of the way of Christ. Celebration is at the heart of the way of Christ. It really captures the essence of who he is. You know, upon his birth and coming into the world, um, he, he led the way in joy. Luke 2.10, there on your outline, says this. I bring you good news of great joy. Everyone say great joy. Great joy. Good news of great joy, cried the angel, which shall come to all of the people. In fact, it was in that same spirit that he came to the world, bringing great joy to all of the people that he also left the world. John fifteen eleven there on your outline, says this. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, the interesting thing about both of these passages and the joy that Christ came to bring is that the, the word there, joy, means more than gladness. It goes beyond you know, a feeling or emotion and literally means a cause or occasion of joy. Both point towards an expression or a celebration of some kind. When was the last time that you remember experiencing joy? See, I think a lot of us, oftentimes when we hear the word joy, we think the word happy. Uh, and biblically speaking, the two are very different words. Happiness is, is external and momentary, uh, things that happen outside of you that, that you might experience that uh, you know, are, are fleeting, and joy is internal and eternal, something that comes from inside of you, uh, something that, that you can't bring about yourself, something that's unending and never failing. Scripture speaks to happiness uh, in several places, one of which is in Genesis 30, which is a story about a woman named Leah who desperately wanted a son for her husband Jacob. She finally has a son for him, and this is what Scripture tells us in verse 13. It says this, I am happy, for women have called me happy. She was so blessed by this occasion that she actually named her son Asher, which is the word from which we derive the word happy. Another example of happiness in Scripture that you ladies will appreciate comes from uh, Deuteronomy 24, 5. It says this, When a man takes a new wife, he shall not go out to the army nor be charged with any duty. He shall be free at home for one year and shall give happiness to the wife whom he has taken. I see some of you ladies scrambling. You're thinking, whoa, can I get a redo? Like, this is my life verse, you know? Bring <laughs> happiness to me for a year, for real, you know? Our happiness mattered to God, but happiness and joy are very different. See, the problem is, if you've had children... It does not matter if you name them happy. There's going to be many points where they make you angry. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about. Our son's name is Asher. He's been the source of most of the painful illustrations I've used you know, in messages. They're maddening. If you're married or been married, if your husband stayed home for a year, uh, there would become a point where it was maddening. You, know? you may not say it, but you're thinking, I know you're trying to make me happy, but you need to get out of here for a while. Go grocery shopping, working, whatever it is. You've got to get out for a while. Well, see, in contrast, Jesus didn't come to put a smile on people's faces. Happiness wasn't the end game for him. His presence brought good news of great joy to all the people that wasn't circumstantial. His coming gave purpose to our pain. That's why James 1 and 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How can you walk through hard times? How can you walk through painful seasons or difficult circumstances and have joy? Because you know God has a purpose to your pain. 
That passage goes on to say, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Jesus' coming brought joy because it gave people the ability to delight in today whatever it was that they were going through, confident that God was with them and that he was in control of tomorrow. See, having a rhythm of celebration in our life is critical because there's going to be a point where we're invited to the party, a point where the holiday comes and we just don't feel like celebrating. In just a few days, we're all going to have the opportunity to celebrate Christmas, to gather with the loved ones in our lives, to exchange gifts, and in some way uh, communicate our love for one another and ultimately be reminded of God's incredible love for us. The question for us is, where does this Christmas find you? Is this in a season where you're weary from, from working? This may be the first season since, uh, or first Christmas since a separation. Maybe it's the first Christmas that you've experienced since the loss of a loved one. The first Christmas that you've experienced while being unemployed and you're questioning how are we going to get through this. Whatever the case, you can walk through this season. You can take part in the celebration out of obedience, even if you don't feel like it. Confident that he's with you. And that if you'll pause to celebrate, he'll bring about a joy from deep within you that you couldn't, you couldn't manufacture or bring about on your own. The second why of celebration there on your outlines is this. Because they unite us as a people. Because they unite us as a people. Last weekend, Katie and I went to an anniversary party with some friends of ours. It was their 10th anniversary, and uh, their mom had kind of set up the party and sent out some invites and said, hey, in coming to this party, I want you to think about a special memory. It could be something silly, something meaningful, uh, just that you could share, share with them to let them know, uh, you know, how much they, they've meant to you. And so we were there, and a lot of the stories were hilarious and totally inappropriate. I so wish that I could share. Uh, it was just so funny uh, to hear the stories, but, but it was also a bunch of incredibly meaningful stories. Because in hearing the, the struggle and the victories in their story, I saw so much of our story in them. Uh, Katie and I left that, left that party that night feeling united as a couple Uh, I really felt like, man, we need this. Not just the two of them we were celebrating, not just Katie and I, but all of us who were there uh, to be reminded of of the struggle, of the victory, of the life that Christ came to offer, of the importance of the covenant of marriage. It united us as a people. See, celebrations bring alignment and focus to an otherwise fragmented people. And Christmas is a great example of that. See, at the heart of Christmas is the idea or belief that God so loved the world that he sent his son, born of a woman, to be tempted by every sin, yet be without sin. And then in obedience to the will of his father to die on the cross for our sins, paying the price for what we deserve so that we might have a relationship with him. Christmas marks the beginning of God's intervention, the launching of his rescue mission to restore and redeem us as the people of God. This belief motivates us, inspiring dozens of different behaviors and actions and songs, all of which uniting us as a people. Well, the same was true in the Old Testament. In Exodus 23, 14, God says, three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Those three festivals were Passover, um, Pentecost, and the Tabernacles. Each of these festivals brought about incredible unity in the people of God. They were, they were multiple days. They required them to wear certain clothes, eat a certain diet, require certain blessings, or recite certain blessings. See, even though they were a mass of individuals, 
Thousands and thousands of people taking part in these festivals united them as a people, called them to move as one body. Well, in the same way, the Bible tells us that God's church is supposed to function as a body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says it this way. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. See, 11 months out of the year, we have to fight for unity, uh, both in the church and in our individual lives. In our lives, uh, we've got relationships and, and kids and spouses and family members, uh, responsibilities at church, sports, extracurricular activities, water heaters that bust, cars that break down. There's so much that goes on in our lives that could keep us going in a thousand different directions. Spiritually, that's no different. There's so many different Bible studies and devotionals, worship songs, styles, and preferences that over the course of the year, we could be growing and going in, in every different direction. You know, even within our home, just growing and, and learning and doing different things. But as soon as we hit December, as soon as we start to move towards Christmas, all of us begin to step into some semblance of alignment with, with very little instruction from anyone. There's a sense of expectation and excitement, uh, a spirit of anticipation that precedes our celebration of Christmas. This is true of major celebrations like Christmas and Easter, but also true of, of celebrations within our, our personal lives. Anniversaries are an incredible example of that. This weekend is actually uh, mine and Katie's 11th anniversary. Isn't that awesome? 11 years. And uh, I think, appreciate that. I love the kind of like you feel obligated to applaud for that. And <laughs> we feel the love almost. And uh, <laughs> no, our 11th anniversary, and there is, there is no doubt... Um, that I am who I am because of the woman that God has made her to be. But don't get me wrong. Uh, there have been years, whether through my sin nature or a lapse of, of judgment or the busyness of our calendar, though the date is printed on the inside of my ring, that I have failed to prepare adequately for, uh, for this weekend. <laughs> but, uh, but usually leading up to it, some of you ladies just elbowed your spouse and say, wow, he did that too. All right. Uh, usually leading up to this day, though, we start reminiscing, you know, telling stories about what this year has held. Can you believe what God has done? We are getting old. You know, whatever the, whatever the story is, we begin reminiscing, talking about the gifts we're going to get each other, where we're going to go. Uh, they unite us as a people. There's a spirit of unity that comes through celebration. So, celebrations bring about joy in our lives. They unite us as a people. And the third why of celebration is because they point me back to God. They point me back to God. A few days ago, Asher had a birthday party at our house, and it was one of those you know, crazy Christmas weeks where we had something every single night, and there was just no opportunity to squeeze in a birthday party, and so Katie planned a pajama and pancakes party at the house, which just sounds awesome, doesn't it, uh, with a bunch of, of toddlers and their, and their moms, and so it was fine. She said, hey, low-key, you don't even have to get dressed. Just wear your pajamas. You don't bring presents. We'll just celebrate them, and it'll be fun. Well, a few people brought presents, uh, which, which was cool for him, and so there came a point where, you know, the drill, you kind of round up and open presents. And, and after each present that he would open, he would run into mine and Katie's room with it, climb up on our bed, and leave it sitting on the middle of the bed, upon which he would run back into the room to open the next gift. And, and uh, we have kind of a high bed, so he's learned a trick to climbing up on top of it. And uh, the reason behind this was that he didn't want to share any of his new <laughs> gifts. And so uh, 
Katie called me, and she actually had taken a picture of it, of this little mound in the middle of the bed. And just like you, I laughed and thought, that's cute. Uh, But then I sat on it for a little while and thought, man, I want to go home and snatch him up, you know? I want to look at him and say, son, do you realize where all the gifts and goodies, all the fun and play that you have comes from? Me, you know? You need to get a happy heart and learn to share your toys or I'm going to take them all away, you know? Didn't go home and actually have the conversation, but man, I rehearse it in my mind periodically when I see that behavior. And it was just about that moment when I saw the picture and shortly after laughing about the story that I sensed God saying, man, aren't you glad that I don't talk to you or treat you that way? I was like, man. See, my issue isn't sharing my toys, you know, or hiding them in the middle of the bed, (laughs) Um, But all too often it is busyness or striving or achieving or performing or fixing or whatever, whatever it is. I get distracted in other things. I turn inward and man, I need someone, something to point me back to God. And celebration serves as a break from all the clutter in our lives. It's purposed by God. It serves as a divine interruption to point us back to him. See, all throughout the Old Testament, God called the Israelites to celebrate so that they would not forget the source of their provision. He called them to celebrate so that they wouldn't get so distracted by creation that they forgot about the Creator. Christmas is such an important time of year. It's one of the most important celebrations that we participate in because it's when the love of God became tangible, when His example became became visible. It's when a relationship with him became accessible for each of us through the gift of his son. See, similarly, all throughout the Christmas story, we read of divine interruptions uh, where men and women were going about their business. And this celebration, this interruption pointed them back to God. Matthew 2, 1 and 2 says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, magi or wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. In Luke 2, we read the shepherd's response. An angel of the Lord appeared before them as well. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Once the angels left the shepherds, scripture tells us that they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. See, the celebration, the good news of great joy served as an opportunity for them to orient their lives around the Savior, to push pause on the tending of sheep and the work of their hands, to be attentive to the incredible gift that God had given them. A Savior had been born, served served as an opportunity to, to remind them of the goodness, of the kindness, of the love of God in their lives. So why why celebrate? Because they bring about joy in our lives because they unite us as a people, and because they point us back to God. Whether that's an anniversary that reminds us of the beauty of the covenant, that God looked down on so many of us men and said, it is not good for that dude to be alone. Like, really, it's bad. I need to make a helper for him. An anniversary where you praise God for your spouse. It could be a birthday where you praise God that he knit you together in your mother's womb, the Bible tells us, that he numbered the hairs on your head, that with great patience he formed and fashioned and molded you into his image with a purpose for your life. Maybe it's Christmas where we celebrate the launching of God's rescue mission, the giving of his son, the receiving of the greatest gift ever. Maybe it's Easter where we celebrate his resurrection, conquering sin so that we might have a relationship with God. 
Whatever the reason for the celebration, they bring about joy in our lives. They unite us as a people and point us back to God. So now that we've looked at the why of celebration, I want us to take just a minute to address the how. Uh, so that we can close the door on that spirit of Scrooge this Christmas. And honestly, the how almost seems elementary, but it's so important because it's what drives our experience of celebration. So the first how is this, there on your outlines. Don't take yourself so seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. Luke seven thirty four says this. The son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, the reality is that some of us live such stuffy lives that nothing like this could ever be said of us. But as we look at the life of Jesus, there are several important observations that we can make. The first of which is that he was very personable to the lost and those who are far from God, to those people that that many Christians would look at with an eye of, of judgment or skepticism as they were building the invite list for their party and said, man, who should we invite? Jesus was on the list. Man, let's make sure that guy comes. I want him here. Invite Jesus. And not only was he willing to show up, but he was willing to engage, to be part of, the, part of the party. Scripture tells us he was without sin, so there was a line that he would not go past. But as those who were far from God were planning their party, when he showed up, he was willing to be engaged, uh, to be a, a life of the party. What does that look like for you? Oftentimes, I think some of us associate our involvement in celebrations and our ability to not take ourselves so seriously with our wiring. You know, we think, well, the extroverts are going to show up and have a great time, of course. They've been waiting for this moment. They got on their party outfit. You know, they're going to dance and laugh and have a great time, but I'm an introvert. You know, I'm partying right over here. I'm good to go. I got my party sweater on. Uh, this is good. And I'm, I'm just thinking, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't look like you're happy to be at the party with a brother. <laughs> Don't take yourself so seriously. Loosen up. Have a good time. One of my favorite examples of this is an elder in our church named Rich Young. Uh, He's a financial advisor and just a very professional uh, business owner here in our community. And a couple weeks ago, we had a leader rally here at the church. And because it was kind of close to Christmas, we gave it a theme just to be fun and called it a redneck Christmas. And uh, some people showed up with incredible outfits that I'm sure had a testimony attached to them of uh, some time before Christ, but um, the, only, the only text message I got that day was from Rich Young, the elder, business owner, professional, godly man, and it simply said, hey, can we still dress up tonight? <laughs> and I was like, that's just awesome, uh, that he can step out of the office, an environment where he is serious and straight-laced with a, with a heart that loves God and is very serious about his family and his faith and the work of his hands, uh, but when it comes to a party, he had an outfit, and he was ready, you know, to, uh, to be excited. So don't take yourself so seriously. The second how is that we can laugh more. Laugh more. A couple days ago, I got home from, uh, from work, and Katie had cooked dinner. And uh, unfortunately, that night, I had drawn the short straw and was sitting beside Ari feeding him the food. And that night in particular, it was soup. And so I'd give him a spoonful of soup and about one third would actually make it in his mouth and down his throat and the other two thirds just running on his face, down his shirt. Some days I don't bother it, it doesn't bother me and some days I'm like, oh, this is just gross, you know, I can't handle it. So after a few minutes of of grossness, uh, a drink was spilled, I'm tending to that, a plate is turned upside down. Uh, one starts whining for dessert, the other one starts whining for seconds, and uh, at that point, it would have been the perfect opportunity 
to, to be frustrated and let them know just how frustrated I was. But on this day in particular, I was just kind of tired and done with the day. So I kind of started smiling. Uh, then I started laughing, upon which Katie shared in my like delight of the mess, and she started laughing. And within a minute or two, all of the whining and fussiness turned to laughter. You know, we were still sitting in a mess. Most of us had food all over us. Uh, But our laughter changed the moment that should have frustrated us and could have robbed us of joy. So two thughts for you. The first of which is a Pastor Gregism there on your outlines. It says, you might as well laugh at yourself because everyone else is. (laughs) And that's just the truth. You know, don't take yourself so seriously that you would allow a spilt drink or a plate that's turned over, or food that's all over your toddler uh, to rob you of, of a memory, to rob you of a moment. Don't, don't take yourself so seriously and laugh a little more there. The second comes from Proverbs seventeen twenty two. It says this, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Laugh more. When you don't feel like laughing, putting a smile on your face and laughing, faking it till you feel it, you know, can help turn around a shift, bring about a shift inside of you so that that you're not robbed of joy. The last how of celebration is this, throw a party, throw a party. When was the last time you threw a party? Again, that might be a lunch conversation for some of you, don't share it here at the church, but throw a party. And if you're going to do it, you got to have three essential elements, three essential elements, people, purpose, and play, people, purpose, and play. First of which is people. It's not going to be much of a party if you don't invite anybody. <laughs> it's going to feel a little lonely. Uh, so invite some people. The second is purpose. It could be Christmas, New Year, an anniversary party like the one that we went to. Uh, it could be a party geared around some sort of accomplishment. But it's important that your party have a purpose because that is what points us back to God. It's what gives us a reason to celebrate to make much of him, of the work he's done in our lives, of the work he's done in our marriage, and the gift that he's given us of his son. And and whatever the case, you can join together in a spirit of celebration with people that you love, pointing towards a God who loves you and has done incredible things for you. So people and purpose. And the third thing is play. Third thing is play. Push yourself to make it fun. For some of you, if you're you know, kind of MO for fun is chips and salsa and your, your party sweater, then you might want to invite a friend who's a little more free and fun to help you plan the party, you know, so that you can really up the ante on the fun factor at your party. I think about passages like Second Samuel six fourteen and 15, as the Ark of the Covenant is coming back into Jerusalem and David is dancing with all of his might, just excited that the Spirit of God is coming back home. His wife looked at him and said, David, what are you doing? Why are you dancing like that? This is paraphrase, obviously. And he says, woman, I will become even more undignified than this. You think you've seen some moves yet? Like, I'm about to bring some stuff out you hadn't ever even, <laughs> you hadn't seen, you know? Just couldn't believe it. Another similar passage like that comes from Exodus 15:20, when Miriam the prophet, who was Aaron's sister, uh, scripture says this, she took a timbrel in her hand. I didn't know what that was till this week. A timbrel is a tambourine. I don't know why they didn't just say she took a tambourine in her hand. But then it said, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. So you got to picture this, just this army of people. Sister said, give me that tambourine, you know. <laughs> and she just went on dancing. All the women followed her in a spirit of celebration. Now, does your party have to have dancing and singing? Uh, no, it doesn't. But I do want to encourage you. The point behind that there is to push yourself. Allow there to be a spirit of fun, of play at the party. In just a few days, we're going to celebrate Christmas. Some of us are going to do that with friends or family members. Some of us will travel. Others will stay at home. 
But wherever you are, whatever you do on that day to celebrate, I want you to imagine just for a minute what it would be like if God was there. If you walked in the living room to your surprise, he was, uh, he was standing there in the living room. What would the look on his face be? Would there be a scowl on his face because there's some sense of frustration in him of what he sees or has experienced going on there in the living room? Would there be a smile on his face because he's just so excited to be there with you to celebrate this day, maybe on the floor playing with your kids or helping them rip open presents? See, it's so important for us to be attentive to the look on his face so that we would really capture his heart for our lives behind celebration so that we could wake up that day to really experience all he has for us. See, this Christmas could bring about joy in our lives. This Christmas could unite us as a people. This Christmas could point us back to him. But I promise you, if, if we fail to just take ourselves too seriously, if we fail to laugh more, not laugh more, if we fail to wake up on that day and not throw a party that starts inside of us because of the incredible gift that God has given us in his son, then we're going to miss out on all he has for us. See, celebrations are meant to be a a place that point us back to him, but they're also meant to be a place where heaven touches earth, a place where we're allowed to experience the abundant life that Christ came to offer. Let's be a people that celebrate. You know, if anybody is to wake up on Christmas morning with, with a new song in their mouth, with good news to rejoice about, it's us as Christ followers. We've received the good news of great joy. And man, so often the story can become stale, but all the world is going to be watching us this Christmas to see how we steward this story. Let's be a people who celebrate. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your son. God, we're so grateful that you so loved the world that you gave. God, that you gave good news of great joy to all the people. Not just a a chosen people, God, but your incredible gift became accessible to all. That you looked at us in our sin, you looked at us in our struggle, you looked at us in, in the many times that we walk away from you and said they can't do it on their own. And you initiated a relationship with us and we're so grateful. God, I pray that that this Christmas the devil would in no way have a foothold of robbing us of the joy that you came to give. That there would be a spirit of celebration, of anticipation, God, as we look forward to remembering the incredible gift, the gift that many of us have received, God, and that we would wake up and walk in the life that you came to offer. God, I pray now that as we respond, you be present with us in power. In Jesus' name, amen.